Hey retro gamers, today on Smashing Bricks we do our best Frank Dukes impersonation and join an international martial arts competition in Street Fighter 2. Hey, welcome back to Smashing Bricks, a retro gaming podcast. This is episode 15. My name is Eddie Inzotto, and today I'm joined by returning guest Mark Basada from the Board Game Barrage podcast. Hey, Mark. Hey, thanks for having me back on. I'm really excited for this one. This was a big moment in my uh, video gaming career, so super pumped for this. Nice. Yeah, me too. The excitement actually grew and grew as time went on playing and researching and and learning a lot about this Street Fighter 2 series. Yeah, a lot of history, a lot of lore. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's it's pretty incredible. And it, it actually has got, not to spoil the episode, but it's gotten me excited to look into a lot more fighting games and you know more of the capcom sort of history yeah definitely i had a good time anyway uh real quick you're from the board game barrage podcast which we talked about the last time maybe just give the listeners an update so they can go check you out there before we get right into this yeah uh board game barrage we're still cranking out the episodes we just um hit our fifth year uh, a couple weeks ago of of doing uh, weekly episodes and uh, yeah, boardgamebarrage.com or wherever you uh, get your podcasts. Just search us and we're there. Great. Okay. Now I want to get into this quickly because there's a wealth of information here. We're talking about Capcom's Street Fighter 2. And we're talking about a number of iterations of this game that spanned many years in the 90s. So we're going to do our best to cover all of that. But to start, can you tell everyone who may not know, which I highly doubt, what Street Fighter 2 is? Yeah, I would be uh, shocked for anybody listening to a a video game related podcast uh, or even like a cultural podcast, anything doing with the the 90s, not to know what Street Fighter was. Um, Street Fighter was a a one-on-one podcast. 2d fighting game where you you picked a character that was you know from somewhere around the world each of them had uh special moves that you could sort of learn um and uh, yeah i don't i guess yeah i guess fighting game would be the the classification of it right so uh yeah when i think not that i have an extensive knowledge of like the history of video games but when i think when i even when i think video game but especially when i think fighting game this is like the prototypical uh game hmm Yeah, me too. I I think about it that way as well. And uh, I think that sums it up. It is the fighting game. It maybe started the genre as we know it, I might say. Yeah, certainly um, I remember shortly thereafter, um, uh, shortly after this game took off, uh, seeing that genre sort of blow up um, and and seeing a lot of like... uh, 
uh, games that were copying the style or and, and copying a lot of the aesthetics. So yeah, it just seemed to be sort of groundbreaking in that uh, that genre for sure, and, and video games in general. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and like many of the games that followed, it's basically one character on the left, one character on the right, either played by human players or the uh, CPU. Uh, it was designed for the arcade, meant to be played head-to-head between two players, but it also had the arcade mode, quote-unquote, where you just fight successive opponents till you get to the, the final boss, and then you beat the game. And that's, right. that's really it. In the arcade, people were able to put in a quarter and play against whoever was on the machine at any time, and that was that. And then there would be a line behind that person waiting oh for their gosh. shot. I remember, I, I, I saw very vivid memories of the arcades and like, you know, you'd look down the aisle of all the games and there would be like one or two games where there would just be crowds of people and it was always Street Fighter 2. Hmm. And did you know this game has a plot? <laughs> I I remember, I mean, one of the big things for me in remembering the game was remembering the um, endings. I remember, how, uh, I, I know, I think in retroactively they've added like a long plot that ties all the games together but um i i do remember very clearly the endings for each character when you beat the street fighter 2 games but yeah i i i was aware of a of a plot as um sort of like tenuous as it might might be yeah tenuous for sure so yeah each character when you beat the game they had their little scene about what happened when they got to the end why they were fighting was often involved in that But the overarching story, which was basically nowhere in the game, is that the leader of the Shadow Lou organization, known as M. Bison in the American version and Vega in the Japanese version, uh, in his global domination plan, sets up a fighting tournament to select the best fighters in the world to incorporate into his organization through brainwashing. And we don't know exactly how he plans to to uh take over the world but i guess that's the story um m bison slash vega played famously by uh raul julia in the, in the movie his his last role mm. yes and what an amazing movie it was starring <laughs> jean-claude van damme yeah as the all-american uh yeah yeah All the American. the muscles from brussels but right. uh, funnily enough i was going to mention this later but uh, I did mention we do our best Frank Duke's impersonation in the intro, and that was referring to another Jean-Claude Van Damme film called Bloodsport, oh, okay. where the main character was Frank Dukes, who went to fight in an underground tournament where each of the fighters was from a different country, and they all fought with different styles. But anyway, that's Jean-Claude Van Damme. Those, that was a great time in film with some definite Academy Award-worthy movies. Sure. But this is Street Fighter Two, So let's get into the history for a moment here. So Street Fighter Two is a huge series, and it feels like it spanned the entirety of gaming history. But in actuality, the five, count them, five main games came out within the span of three years from 1991 february 1991 with the release of street fighter 2 the world warrior all the way to february 1994 with the release 
of Super Street Fighter II Turbo. So we had World Warrior in February 91. This was on Capcom's CP System 1 arcade machine, which was the 14th game to use that. And some other games that were made using that system were Ghouls and Ghosts, Strider, Final Fight, 1941, Magic Sword, and some others. Following World Warrior in March of 92 was the game commonly known as Champion Edition. It was originally called Street Fighter 2 Dash, or 2 with a prime mark in Japan, but we came to know it as Street Fighter 2 Champion Edition. And that had some updates, we'll talk about that later. Then in December 1992, particularly as a result of a lot of piracy of the Champion Edition, we had the release of Street Fighter 2 Hyperfighting, which was called Street Fighter 2 Dash Turbo, and more widely known as Street Fighter 2 Turbo, December 92. Then in September 93, we got Super Street Fighter 2, which added some more characters and changed up the system a little bit. It was built as the first game on Capcom CP System 2, and that was followed by a turbo-ified version of that game in February 1994 called Super Street Fighter 2 Turbo. Wow. They came so, so rapidly. I imagined it in my mind, in my memory, being a wider span of time. Did you have that sensation before looking into this? Not really. I do I do have a very clear memory or feeling at least, I should say, of them all just coming like there was the, the initial Street Fighter two, uh, which I guess was known as World Warrior. And I remember that having like a little bit of time there, but then Champion Edition, Hyper all those other ones, I do remember them coming like hot and fast, like mm. one after the other. Just rapid fire. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, maybe for me it was because I played World Warrior in the arcade probably early on and then later i didn't play any of the other ones really in the arcade i played on super yeah. nintendo after that and there was more of a delay something like that but anyway so this game was was made by capcom developed and published producer yoshiki akamoto designers akira nishitani and akira yasuda composers yoko Shimomura, who actually only worked on the very first game and composed almost every single track for it and then left Capcom to go to Square. And the other composer, Iseo Abe, I don't know if that first name pronunciation is right, but um, this person went on to be a composer on all the rest of the games. And the team was pretty much the same the whole time, except for, as I said, the composers. And when Super came around, they got a new-ish team with designer Noritaka Funamitsu and Haruo Murata, with uh, Funamizu having been a sort of special producer on the first one, getting a special thanks credit on World Warrior. So it was the people, and the entire team was about 35 to 40 people. Now, did you know about the original Street Fighter game? 
I did. Um, I I know that in doing research, I know that it was released on a number of different consoles, but I only knew it from playing it in. This is funny. So um, I only knew it from the arcade, um, which mm-hmm. I played after Street Fighter Two came out. So I don't know if this was um, this was a Seven Eleven, believe it or not. So there was a there was a Seven Eleven next to the the church we'd go to, and. Um, we would we would go to church and then we would go to the Seven Eleven and they had a original Street Fighter machine. I don't know if like the owner of the um, that branch of the Seven Eleven thought that he was getting Street Fighter Two. He heard the news and 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 accidentally got the original Street Fighter. But for some reason they had the Street Fighter One machine in there. And I remember um, you know initially thinking of Street Fighter Two, being really excited, and then going, "Oh, this is actually Street Fighter the original." I'm like, "Oh, let's try it out. Let's see what it's like. See if it's." Uh, like Street Fighter 2, which it is, it is not uh, for the most part. Like you know, it definitely is a you know a, a one-on-one uh, fighting game, but uh, but it's a it's a much slower uh, much slower version of it. So uh, didn't give us what we were looking for, but it, it was interesting to try. And, and in doing research for this, um, I got a chance to to play it again. And uh, yeah, it's not doesn't give you what you want um, in a Street Fighter game, but it's still interesting for sure. Hmm. Yeah, that game was pretty different. It was before they even created the CP System 1. And it was built off of the director of that game's prior work, Kung Fu Master, which people might know as Kung Fu for the Nintendo Entertainment System, but the arcade which, version. Which I remember very, very um, fondly. I remember Kung Fu on the original NES. Um, and and again, in, in doing research for this and, and hearing about those ties, like... When you think about them one after the other, um, and you sort of see them side by side, you can definitely see the influence uh, quite mm-hmm. strongly. A little bit of an evolution. He decided he wanted to focus on like the boss fights, and that's how they came up with the just one on one. But it was a lot less smooth. It was a little more choppy, hard to play, very hard to win, as I remember it. Yeah. But in any case, this kind of laid the foundation for every two D fighting game ever made. After that, the original Street Fighter was first made with two pressure-sensitive buttons, like a big punch button and a smaller kick button. And I, I believe you had to hit it harder for like yeah. a fierce punch or <laughs> lightly wild, for a jab. Yeah. And it was not popular at all. So no, they I, changed it to a six-button arcade setup, which became much more popular. And it sold, like some estimates say, up to 50 times as many arcade cabinets as the pressure sensitive one which is crazy and obvious like of course it would be (laughs) that pressure sensitive idea was interesting to say the least banging away at the at the uh, arcade just seems ridiculous i wonder if those machines broke a lot from people trying that's that's what i heard yeah yeah i was doing again research on this and yeah it seemed like there was a lot of upkeep people were like I, I read somewhere that people were getting so tired of like continuously punching that would they would like use their feet because they're just getting worn out playing. <laughs> oh my god! So so that wasn't super successful, but the button setup was kind of a first. The six buttons, and then following that, Capcom saw great success with Final Fight, which was its seventh CPS game. So kind of halfway to Street Fighter, and that inspired inspired them to build off of that success, revive the idea of the original Street Fighter, 
but as a better playing game with a new team behind it. And as I said, this was 35 to 40 people, and they worked for about two years with a budget of around $2.5 million, which sounds like a lot to me for them. Yeah, that's what I would have assumed. Mm. And as they were making it, they, they said that balance was not a high priority, balance between characters, but the animations of the characters was absolutely a priority, which right. which makes a lot of sense because the game has really good animations. The graphics were what drew me in as a child. I remember while I was playing this time, I had vivid recollections of seeing, for example, the Blanca sprite and absolutely. using that at the arcade and, being, and that I felt the feeling of seeing it again it was really interesting yeah absolutely like the blanca the charging uh move and yeah just that was that was again yeah one of the most evocative moments of this recent playthrough again for me was was seeing that and remembering how i felt as a kid yeah mm. yeah it was, it was really cool uh the combos which are a very important part of essentially all fighting games going forward through history was originally a bug that was discovered via a play session and just left in and combos being when you hit certain buttons or or perform certain attacks in rapid succession with the proper timing there the subsequent attacks are not blockable or cancelable which seems like a really cool accident right yeah but again because the first version was not developed with balance in mind they had to make four more versions as the game grew in popularity (laughs) and when capcom first introduced this game they introduced it as their greatest video game ever which turned out to be very prophetic yeah that's funny yeah it's amazing where they went from here and and i think a really important part of this was the accuracy of the inputs the gameplay was notably excellent for the time due to what was considered the most advanced and accurate joystick and button scanning routine ever made up until you know 1991 when the game came out i remember this part of the game really clearly because um although i I played the game quite a bit it was my brother who was really excelled my brother was two years younger than me, so he must have been something in the neighborhood of, like, I don't know, eight or nine at the time uh, when the game came out. And he was, like, a Street Fighter Two savant. Like, he would, <laughs> we would go to arcades, and he was this little kid, and, like, grown men would just put in quarter and qu- after quarter trying to play him, trying to beat him. And he was just... I don't know where he got it from, but I, I do remember, like, watching him play and trying to figure out why he was so much better than me and, and better than most people. And it, the way that his... It almost went from, like... And this is sort of like maybe a little too fancy way to describing it, but like it almost felt like he was go- it was going from like what he wanted to do in his brain, like what he w- he could just sort of like do it with his hands and it immediately got on the screen. Like there was some level of like f- like a really strong flow state that I think Street Fighter Two players could get into, as opposed to like for example Street Fighter the original Street Fighter, which was like like you would you would press a button or you do something on the um, joystick and it would like it'd be very plotting but with street fighter 2 like it went from your brain to your hands to the screen and like in an instant i remember that being a really striking part of it 
Yeah, the original almost felt like you had to get lucky that the game realized you did what you did with the controls. Right. Whereas yeah. Street Fighter 2 was very, very responsive. And it became a pretty massive success right away in, in the arcades. Um, I'm going to jump to sales here. And this is a statistic that is mind-blowing. All versions of Street Fighter 2 are estimated to have grossed a total of 10.6 billion dollars <laughs> in revenue. That's billion with a B. That is insane. Wow. Uh it's basically the highest grossing video game of all time outside of a couple others from the golden era of arcades in the late 70s and early 80s when you consider the quarters put into it as well as the arcade units purchased and all the home ports purchased it has a lot of different ways of achieving revenue right which is just amazing if we jump to the super famicom version that sold a million copies in the first two weeks in japan at the equivalent of 85 dollars <laughs> which is nuts, in 1991. And there was a stock shortage because it was so popular, so the games started selling as high as $119 equivalent. I don't know what it is in yen, but we understand dollars. Similarly, in the United States, the Super Nintendo cart launched at $74.99, and it still sold 750,000 copies in the first two months. And... 2 million by the end of 1992 in North America. This is another aspect of the game that I remember so clearly. I remember... The price? No, no not the price. I, my dad oh, paid oh. for it. I didn't care about the price. <laughs> um, but I remember like hearing... It might have, must have been in like Electronic Gaming Monthly or one of those those video game magazines that I was subscribed to, um, hearing that Street Fighter 2 was coming out on the Super Nintendo. And I was like... I, it, it was like it blew my mind that this experience could be something we could do at home potentially. And, uh, I remember like them announcing the, the day you could sign up, um, to, to buy the game. And I remember we went to the, uh, electronic boutique, which was a, mm -hmm. a game store that's long out of uh, long defunct. And, uh, I remember getting a call from them the night before saying, you know, our order was in and we could pick it up. And I think they even like opened the store a couple hours early because they knew just like how in demand it was. And I just, I have a really strong memory of like waking up at like six o'clock or something and going to the mall. And like, there was no other stores open except for this electronic boutique. And there was a line of kids um, out to, to get it. And just, I, I, I just such a visceral memory of having that, that cartridge and having that game and driving home and thinking like, we are about to play Street Fighter 2 at my house. That was just mm -hmm. like, I could not believe that was a thing that you could do. Yeah, that that must have been crazy. A big change, I, I imagine, coming from the arcade back to home. And then... Yeah, absolutely. And it was recognized by basically every gaming publication that there was at the time. So as far as like review scores... There weren't many for the arcade. That just wasn't a thing. Publications didn't review arcade games. But one example is computer and video games rated at a 93%. But then the SNES version really kicked off a new kind of era 
of Street Fighter and and it being more well known by more people. And here we see scores like 35 out of 40 from Femitsu, 9.5 at EGM, 5 out of 5 from GamePro, 9 out of 10 at Edge, and many others in the 90 to 100% range. And then it also received Game of the Year from numerous publications, some examples being Gamist in Japan, the Electronic Gaming Awards, EGM, European Computer Trade Show, Golden Joystick Awards, Game Fan, Game Informer, Game Pro, Nintendo Power, where it beat Nintendo's own Legend of Zelda A Link to the Past in their year-end awards, which is crazy to me. It is crazy. And of course, the Chicago Tribune gave it game of the year because <laughs> they had a game of the year award apparently so it was a success it was a smash hit critically and commercially and that led to clones quote-unquote street fighter clones it it was the explosion of the fighting game scene we had numerous companies trying to make their own version their own street fighter they wanted a piece of this do you remember seeing all of the different fighting games that just exploded onto the scene at this point oh yeah definitely definitely i mean i'm sure we'll talk about the the big rival that would eventually come out to it and would 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 legitimately rival um the popularity of street fighter but yeah i remember uh killer instinct was one i remember there's a big like uh focus on combos and and that kind of thing um, but yeah, I, I do. I remember just like a, a, a lot, and a lot of them would just fade out. Like when you had the opportunity to play Street Fighter, like why would you play the the knockoff? But mm. uh, but of course, yeah. there was one that that did um, challenge it, and, and I guess continues to challenge it. Yeah, uh, we'll talk about them right now, real quick. One company that did really well, I think, as far as fighting games are concerned, was SNK. That's the company that made the Neo Geo. But because of the way the SNK arcade systems and the Neo Geo home console were sort of consumed, maybe it was a more niche market because the Neo Geo cost roughly $700 million. But they had a series of games. First, the Fatal Fury series, starting with Fatal Fury in 1991, which was made by the original Street Fighter 1987 designer, uh, Takashi Nishiyama. So he went on to work at SNK and start making games there. And then Fatal Fury 2, Special, and 3 came out in 92, 93, and 95. Art of Fighting 1 and 2 came out in 92 and 94. World Heroes 1, 2, Jet, and Perfect in 92, 3, 4, and 5. And Samurai Showdown, a very cool game, in 1993. And that's just all from SNK. But here we have, coming up next, one of the big rivals. Probably the one you're talking about, Mortal yeah. Kombat in 1992. Yeah, I remember that one hitting the arcades in a, a very similar way to uh, to the original Street Fighter 2. I remember that being a big, big, uh, big hit. Mm-hmm. And that was big because it had sort of digitized quote-unquote photorealistic graphics it had lots of blood and it had fatalities yep which uh street fighter did not have and they had tons of sequels mortal kombat 2 and 3 came out in 93 and 95 
And Mortal Kombat, like you said, persists today as a rival. I was never personally into Mortal Kombat because while the fatalities were cool, it just didn't have the play control. Yeah. It didn't have that tight gameplay. But anyway, many people love it, and many people love it more than Street Fighter. Some other games were Fighter's History in 93, Power Instinct 1 and 2 in 93 and 94, Eternal Champions, which was a Sega game in 93, Killer Instinct 1 and 2, like you mentioned, in 94 and 95, and there was even a Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Tournament Fighters game in 1993. And this large list I just read off is not even the tip of the iceberg. There were hundreds of fighting games at this time. I remember one I had called Doomsday Warrior on the Super (laughs) Nintendo. I mentioned it once before because I traded it away in exchange for Donkey Kong Country, which was the best trade in the history of video game trades. Something that you appreciate, I'm sure. Absolutely. Yeah. That game was so terrible, but it looked like mature. And it was part of the uh, it was part of the fighting game hype. So I, I leveraged all that to get myself a copy of Donkey Kong Country, nice. which was great. And, you know, there are more and more of these fighting games for the rest of the 90s and forever. You know, till, till now, there are still so many 2D fighting games and now 3D fighting games. Last little bit here is the wealth of ports and re-releases and the overall legacy. So Street Fighter 2 has been released on nearly every single platform ever, numerous times in many different ways. So if you look for it, you'll find it. But just quickly, World Warrior was ported directly to the Super Nintendo, DOS, Amiga, Atari ST, Armstrad CPC, Commodore 64, ZX Spectrum, CPS, Game Boy, Sega Master System, and some others. Champion Edition was on the TurboGrafx-16, Genesis, the Sharp X6800, SMS, the Sega Master System. Hyper Fighting, which is Turbo, Super Nintendo, Genesis, the 360 on XBLA, and it made it onto the SNES Classic. Super Street Fighter 2 was released on the Super Nintendo and the Genesis, and some other collections we'll get to. And Super Turbo on the 3DO, Amiga, DOS, and Dreamcast. Wow. Now, there are a number of compilations that are really awesome because while some of these original ports are okay and, you know, they were reviewed really well, like the Super Nintendo one, for example, they were not arcade perfect. And I didn't realize that at the time because when you're in the arcade, you see it. And then you come home on the Super Nintendo, you see it, and you're not looking at them right. side by side, and they just feel the same. And I think a lot of reviewers said it was about as good as you're going to get. Could you perceive a difference when you were younger between the home and the arcade versions? Yeah, there was definitely, um, there was definitely like a, a more of a glo- more of like a, a gloss. More there was more resolution. There was there was a, the graphics. I remember being just clearly a step better um and the controls were maybe a, a little bit worse than the uh the arcade but again we were just so excited to have this at home that mm. you know we very easily looked past it but yeah there was definitely a um 
a, a drop in quality, but not a not a major one. It was a really good uh, uh, port of the arcade for sure. Yeah, talking specifically about that Super Nintendo, version, Super Nintendo, which yeah. is what you experienced. Yeah, me too. Um, and I mean, obviously, you were playing with a Super Nintendo controller and right. not an arcade stick, unless you had the the Super Nintendo stick, which I don't think was actually very good, but it gave you that that vibe. Yes, right. But better ports existed later on more powerful systems. And this is where we get the compilations. In 1997, there was a Street Fighter collection for PlayStation and Saturn that included Super and Super Turbo. And these are nearly arcade perfect. Same thing with 1998's Capcom Generations 5, Street Fighter Collection 2, also for PlayStation and Saturn, although the Saturn one only came out in Japan. And this had the first three games in it. Also pretty much arcade perfect. And I realized this when I played this time. They're so good. Oh my God. Yeah. Later on, 2005, we had the Capcom Classics Collection, Volume 1. And then 2006, we had Volume 2 and Reloaded. And between those, we got all five of the original games in uh, Volumes 1 and 2. And then for Reloaded, that was for the PSP, and that had the first three games, the non-Super ones. And then much later in 2018, we got a 30th anniversary collection for even newer systems, PS4, Xbox One, Switch, and PC, which you can buy very easily today, which has all five of the main versions of Street Fighter, plus Street Fighter 1, I think all of the Alpha games, and the Street Fighter 3 games. So that is a cool way to have all these games. Uh, I haven't actually played it, but I assume it probably plays perfectly. You know, these are very powerful systems at this point. Yeah. I, I actually, having gone through this process, I might even want to get that for the Switch. Sure. Yeah. Or for the PC, maybe. I don't know. Uh, a couple of other ones that were released were 2003's Hyper Street Fighter 2, the anniversary edition, which I literally have never heard of until playing for this show. So this one's super cool. This came out for the PS2 originally, PlayStation 2, and was quickly ported to the arcade as the final CPS2 game for, for Capcom. And in this one, you could choose any version of any fighter in the series, meaning you could have Ryu from World Warrior or you know any of the characters from World Warrior and fight against your friend who's using you know maybe Guile from Super Street Fighter 2 Turbo in the same battle fighting against each other that sounds amazing yeah it's wild yeah this was only released on the Street Fighter Anniversary Collection disc for PS2 and obviously in the arcade, and it was later ported to the Xbox. Finally, though, it was released just last year in the Capcom Fighting Collection on PS4, Xbox One, Switch, and PC. Again, another easy way to play these games. 2008, we had Super Street Fighter 2 Turbo HD Remix, which I think you said you played, on PSN yes. and XBLA. And that one, what? It's uh, it's the same as Super Street Fighter 2 Turbo, but with updated graphics and sound? Um, yes, I'm, I'm sure the sound was also was also better, but the graphics are, are pretty striking, yeah. There was one of them, I think this might be it, had overclocked remix 
tunes added to the game. Yeah, I think this is the one. And that pretty much covers... Oh, there's one more. 2017 Ultra Street Fighter 2, the final challengers for the Nintendo Switch, which I didn't know existed until yesterday, um, which added even more characters to the roster, making it the biggest roster for a Street Fighter 2 game yet. And presumably the final version, if we can believe them. So those are all the games. And we got two movies, the aforementioned Street Fighter with Jean-Claude Van Damme, which I think was terrible. Yeah. And, and Street Fighter 2, the animated movie, which I've heard really good things about. Same. Yeah, I've, heard, I've heard good things, but I've not watched it. No. Did you ever watch the 1995 to 1997 cartoon Street Fighter? I did not. Me either. It, lo- it has like a, a G.I. Joe look to it. Just oh, looking at the pictures. Just reminds Seems me of like that, that style. If that had come out like five years earlier, I've been right in my sweet spot probably. Yeah. Um, some other things to note about Street Fighter 2. It was recognized in the Guinness Book of World Records Gamers Edition three times as uh, the first game to use combos, the most cloned fighting game, and the biggest selling coin-operated fighting game. So the Guinness Book of World Records. It's also in the Strong National Museum of Play's Video Game Hall of Fame. Street Fighter II is there. And it's been noted among the most influential games of all time. And pretty much any place that has ever had a list of this type has included Street Fighter II among the best games of all time. Yeah, got to. I assume you have to do that, yeah. Yeah. It almost single-handedly kept the arcades alive. You know, when it was released, it, we were seeing a decline in arcades and going more towards the home console end of the video game hobby. But fighting games in particular were really instrumental in keeping the arcades relevant. And a lot of that is thanks to this game right here. Absolutely, yeah. I mean, first-hand experience. I remember, you know, me and my friends would... would go through a ton of, you know, NES games and you would have thought that would be, you know, satisfy, satisfy us, but uh, uh, we would spend a ton of time in the arcades and especially, again, Street Fighter 2 would, would dominate for sure. Yeah. Okay. So we talked a little bit about our histories. You mentioned your savant brother. Um, anything else worth mentioning about your prior relationship with the game? Street Fighter Two. Street Fighter Two was such a huge part of our lives in a way that's sort of uh, weird to think about looking looking back. But that game was was massive. And it, yeah, and again, my brother, you know, we would go to the uh, we'd go to the mall, and you know, you could drop him off at the arcade with with a dollar, and uh, he was just so good at the game that uh, uh, he could just stay there all day with with a with a buck or two, and uh, and just take on all comers. It was it was crazy. Yeah. Oh wow, that just like unlocked a memory for me you know, dropping me off with a little bit of money and being able to play for a long time. So I'm not a savant at any video game. Uh, Except maybe GoldenEye 007 on the Nintendo 64. But um, I was pretty good at Street Fighter 2, the original one in the arcade. Uh, Me and my friend George, who was on on the Punch-Out episode, we both had a similar experience at our local Playland arcade where we would stand on essentially like a hotel chair that was there and <laughs> oh play God, the game 
with, you know, full on adults and, and older teenagers, whatever, and win right. over and over. And everyone would be like, yo, shorty's got moves. <laughs> um, and I remember being able to win a lot. And I wasn't doing anything special. I was just kind of outpacing my opponents. But it yeah. felt really good to be standing there at the machine and watch other people come up, try to fight me, and fail over and over. And I could play for a long time on a quarter. And that was really cool. My two most vibrant Street Fighter Two in the arcade memories are one, I remember going into um the local arcade and they had attached these little um like quarter holders on the mm. top of the machine, sort of like in the top part of the glass. So like if you were next or if you want to be next, you would like you would reserve a spot by putting your quarter in one of these slots. And mm-hmm. I'd never seen anything like that. And it's just like, wow, this game is crazy popular. People would be reserving like being next by putting their their quarter up on these like things that they they attach to the games, and then the other, again another reference to my brother. I remember him; he was just creaming people at this arcade, and uh, there was this guy. He must have been I don't know thirty year old guy with a big cigar, and I just remember him being so frustrated. And my brother didn't see this at the time because he was so focused on on playing. But the guy would would like blow smoke out of the corner of his mouth to sort of like try to make my brother like <laughs> have to turn away or not say it. it didn't help the guy. He he still got cream, but I just remember how frustrating uh, he was to these older kids. Oh my god, that's that's such a dirtbag move. <laughs> yeah, I mean, back in the back in the day when you could you know smoke playing in arcades and it was crazy. Yeah, yeah, wow. I mean, I mean, I guess it must have been frustrating you can either play once for a quarter or you could be good enough to maybe even beat the game right on a quarter but if one person is better than you one time you're off you're you're off and then you got to wait in line to get back on because there's such a not only the money the time the time waiting yeah that's nuts um that's really interesting about the quarter thing too that reminds me of a pool table which yes, is always exactly. funny to me because you don't know whose quarter is whose. Right, exactly, exactly. I, I didn't get it, but I just knew it was a sign that this game's real popular. Yeah. I guess the sorts of fights that you might see breaking out in a bar over that sort of a thing wouldn't happen in an arcade as much with the lack right. of inebriation going on. Right. What else? Yeah, so I, uh, I also played this game at some other locations, like the bowling alley. Um, that was one when my dad had his bowling league, I would go and this game was there and I would play it. And Sunset Riders was another big one at that location. And you mentioned Street Fighter earlier. I also played Street Fighter at a convenience store. There's this local (laughs) store. It was basically this country convenience store and they had maybe two games or maybe it was just Street Fighter 1 with the buttons not with the pressure sensitive punch pads and that game demolished me every time i did not like it i love the idea of it but that was about it right right yeah as i said i remember playing um Street Fighter 1 at a 711 which just seems crazy thinking back to it and then um there was obviously we played Street Fighter 2 at a ton of different arcades a- around the area but um we also there was a, a newspaper stand um that we would go to that had a a couple arcades and one of them was Street Fighter and my, this was like a really 
nice place for us because it was close by and um our dad would would be happy to take us there because he would you know give my again my brother and me a couple bucks and uh we would be playing for hours and my dad could just like sit around and chat with his friends and read the paper so i just remember uh that being a big thing too hmm sounds like a nice chill time with the kids yeah i like that go dad yeah yeah so that was the arcade and then as far as a further experience with the game, my friends George and Brian had the World Warrior cartridge for the Super Nintendo, and I would be over at their place all the time playing that game, and we would play against each other. My cousin Joe would come over and play also, and that was a huge deal, just sitting there one-on-one. It was perfect with the, with the Super Nintendo controllers, and it was just a great time. And then finally, I got my own version of the game when I put Super Street Fighter 2 on layaway at the local department store. It was probably a $75 game also and brought in like $5 at a time for a long time until I got it. (laughs) And then I brought that one home and I played the heck out of it at home. Just like solo whenever I could or two-player when my friends were around. But after that, that was really it. I just kind of fell off of fighting games after that. Then we got into, like, Mario 64 and Zelda Ocarina of Time, and I shifted to, you know, those epic experiences, I guess. Yeah, sort of similar Sort of similar with me. Like, it was Street Fighter II uh, dominating for a long time, and then... Then there were the offshoots, the other versions of, of Street Fighter Two, and then I remember playing a, a couple of the 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 ones, the the clones, the, like the uh, um, Killer Instinct, and and even a little bit of Mortal Kombat, but but it didn't really stick around the same way none of those games did, and sort of then off to to other other games. Yeah, yeah, it was an interesting time, the early '90s and yeah. 2D fighting games. That was that was the thing in the video game hobby at that time more than anything else i think right as far as i remember but now we have played the game again in preparation for this episode and i don't know about you but i played a lot of different versions (laughs) what did you play um so i played uh, world warrior i played uh the champion edition i played a um street fighter the rainbow edition which i guess was a like a illegal like hacked uh version but i remember that coming out in the arcade and uh uh being sort of blown away by that because it was really janky like you could tell that this this wasn't like a a full capcom release because it was just the way it played was weird but you could switch characters in the middle of the game like you like as you're fighting you could go from one character to another and it had like like it had like homing fireballs like your fireball would like follow somebody across the board it was just really weird but um, it was sort of an insight into, you know, hacked games that I, I wasn't, uh, aware of. Yeah. I read about that, but I didn't, I didn't read that it had a particular name until it, just before the show, you mentioned the rainbow edition. I was like, I don't know what that is, but yeah, there were a lot of those. Yeah. I think that's what we, we called it. I don't even remember it being 
um, like like a name that they added to the, the screen or anything. I just I think people would call it the Rainbow Edition. I think because some of the graphics were different at the beginning and it just like had a rainbow or something. But um, anyway, then yeah, I played um, the uh, Super Street Fighter Turbo um, mm-hmm. edition and then the Turbo Remix. I did a little bit of that too. Oh wow! So the ma- the majority of them, I guess you could say. Yeah, I wanted to I wanted to dabble in, in a little bit of uh, each if I could. Yeah, I did the same. Um, just to quickly touch on that uh, that Rainbow Edition, hundreds of thousands of these counterfeit arcade cabinets were made and distributed worldwide, a lot of them out of uh, Taiwan. And this is what inspired Capcom actually to release uh, Hyperfighting, a.k.a. Turbo, because the counterfeiters couldn't emulate or recreate the sped up version of the game and that became sort of the de facto version for a really long time right i mean there was so much money i'm sure flooding into that game that it's easy to see why it was a target to to pirates for sure yeah okay so you played world warrior on both the an arcade version and the super nintendo version yeah so how'd that how'd that go for you uh, it was great. Just how interesting the different characters were, like you know the Blanco with the electricity power, and and uh, obviously um, Ryu and Ken with the, the the classic you know fireball and dragon punch and uh, hurricane kick. It's such amazing like mixture of of characters. I I, I loved it. Mm. Did you have a favorite character back in the day on in the arcade or at home or both? And did that change over time? And who did you like when you came back to it now? And did that change from version to version? I sort of had three characters. So I had like, okay, if I needed to win the game, like if I, if it was like, if I was playing my brother or something where I didn't really have a chance, but I just wanted to somehow try to get a cheap win, I would usually go like Honda. Uh, mm. Cause you know, I try to get him like, I try to get the, my opponent like cramped in a corner and then do the, uh, the slap, like the, the uh, I forget mm-hmm. what the move is called, but like the thousand the hundred slaps hand thing slap. The hunter hand slap, right? Um, I also liked how Honda had that uh, that thing where he could shoot himself uh, across the screen, so he had like a ranged attack mm-hmm. sort of thing. Um, so he was my my go to for a win. Um, my if I was trying to get fancy, I liked Chun Li. Um, I just okay. how aer- aerobatic she was was really cool. I always loved that. Um, and then uh, if I ever tried, like if I wanted to to try to get better, I would go with. Ken, because my brother was a big Ryu person, and I I feel mm-hmm. like the the like if you were good with Ryu, it, it was sort of like a claim, like it was like a, a claim that you were like a good Street Fighter character, like you were really good with like the 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 main guy. So I I didn't want to be that, but you know Ken was just a palette swap, so it wasn't like I was doing anything like you know controversial or anything like that that crazy. But uh, I I wanted to be uh, the Ken guy because there wasn't very many Ken guys around uh when i was playing so mm. um ken was my my character choice yeah i mean they were basically the same in the first game supposedly like ken was a little faster and Ryu was a little stronger or, or the other way around or something i think it was the other way around yeah, yeah. i remember hearing rumors about that like oh, i don't you know, know if ken, that was if true i don't think it, i think it probably wasn't i think that's one of those kid things right where yes, they just exactly. make up a story Exactly, exactly. Like, hey, if you look at the bar, look, it actually goes a little bit more when you go with Ken. If you, you know, if you punch with Ryu, it's like a little bit faster if you actually really look at it, but I don't think it was actually anything to it. Yeah. 
the only real differences I remember is basically just one was when you do the the strong kick, the roundhouse grab. Ryu would right. just kick the guy over him over his back, and Ken would do an extra flip and then throw the guy. Oh right, yes, yeah. But that's really it in the first version. And I feel like they were both there because you could not choose the same character as one another in that first game. So they right. put like the main guy and both players could be the main guy. I feel like they were really good. They've always been really good. But I felt like in the original game, Guile was a god for whatever reason. I yeah. was so good with Guile. There were things about him like you could grab from almost a full sprite away like he had an insane reach with his uh back suplex move and it was just so yeah. easy to grab your opponents and he had the the jumping backbreaker and the jumping throw that you could always connect with because i think maybe this this grab range extended in the air and i apologize to anyone who's listening and thinking i'm an idiot and that we're both idiots as we talk about these games because we're not <laughs> super aficionados but this is just how it felt to me and yeah. it may be right it may be wrong whatever i'm trying <laughs> I, I remember a guile had that that broken thing where he could it was called, I guess called the handcuffs where you could sort of like lock a, an opponent if you hit things right i don't remember what it took to do it but i remember that being like sort of like a uh, a cheat there you could do yeah, I read about that but i've never i'd never heard of it before and never done it and i don't think it's even really beneficial because i think it's it's almost like a game breaking glitch where you can't yeah. kill them after yeah that. i think it was maybe in the first round of the arcade like the original mm. uh, street fighter 2 uh yeah had it but i think they they got it out earlier right the original world warrior had a bunch of different glitches which they quickly changed in the champion edition that next year um one thing they lost in the subsequent editions was the sounds where you would shoot Hadoukens or Sonic Booms or Yoga Fire or any of those projectiles, and they would be yelled at a different pitch for the different strengths, which was right. sort of a tell for how fast they would be coming, which I thought was a really cool addition, but they took it out. I guess what yeah. they want is for it to be a fake out as opposed to a telegraph. That makes sense, but it but, but that that change in pitch was such a like ingrained part of the uh the original experience for me. I remember that being like something that was part and parcel to the Street Fighter experience, such that the different ways that mm -hmm. announcer would would call things. Yeah. It seems like every little change was just more of the balancing and and yeah. they were just sort of strengthening those projectile characters by making it harder to read those moves. What else? So that game, I found the the four bosses, like the Shadow Lou bosses, super tough. That oh, would yeah. be Balrog, Vega, Sagat, and M. Bison. I had so much trouble with Vega forever. Like, did you have a particular character that always killed you? Yeah, I uh, I don't I don't know if I beat the if I ever beat the game like back in the day. Uh, and even now, I had to like cheat my way around it. But uh, yeah, no, I, I remember. I remember Balrog. I I was able to get past. But uh, but yeah, Vega was was really hard. And and to God, forget about it. I, I and the the times I remember 
definitely like my brother would get to the last guy get to like m bison um and he would you know let me play because i was never gonna get there on my own and uh, just getting creamed like just thinking it was impossible mm. yeah so hard yeah vega got me all the time that stupid move where he would jump on the back fence and then jump off and hit you or suplex you so hard right. to dodge and then M. Bison, too, doing the Psycho Crusher constantly back and forth and jumping on yeah. your head. Nuts. Although I like the the diversity in all those moves and, like, each character having sort of special things about them that they could do, like jumping off the sidewall for Chun-Li and stomping on your head and what else? The, the mid-air throw for Guile and, and, like, all these weird different things that are beyond just the command focused moves super yeah cool. absolutely that's one of the highlights of the game for sure like dolls them and the, and the stretched attacks mm. and all that stuff yeah that was it was great yeah as for those four bosses i kind of vaguely alluded to it earlier but the names were different and that's because balrog was originally called m bison or mike bison like mike tyson and they were afraid that bringing it to the United States could open them up for a uh, likeness infringement suit by Mike Tyson. So they switched around all the names and the main boss, Vega, became M. Bison. And Mike Bison, the boxer, became Balrog. And Balrog, the guy with the claws, became Vega. And I thought that's so funny. I wonder what yeah, would have wh happened if they left it. Why not? Yeah, I don't. Yeah, that's interesting to think about. But why, if you're gonna make the the main bot, like if you're gonna make that, take the name, put it over to the main boss, why not just call him Bison? Why keep the M there? It's just such a weird, weird thing. I wonder if he would have sued them, or if he just wouldn't have even cared. He probably would have been so hyped and played the game himself. I bet. Sure. Now that we know Mike Tyson's personality a bit more over the last forty years. I yeah, he would be down. So the champion edition, not a lot of differences between the champion edition, right? Well, the champion edition was the one, unless I'm mistaken, was the uh, the one where you could play as the four bosses. Oh, they brought uh, it in which, for that. That's right. Yeah, yeah. That, that was super cool. That was super super cool. I, I I remember that really clearly. Like, what you can play as Bison and Vega and Sagat is like, wow, that's awesome. Yeah, that yeah, was huge. You know what? I do remember one day I went and played Street Fighter 2 and I didn't realize it had a different subtitle and I saw the four characters and I was shocked. Yeah. And that was amazing. Really cool. But it was still the same speed. Right. And there were like only slight tweaks to the gameplay, like a little bit of balancing between characters. So that was that's pretty cool. Was there a particular one that you wanted to go to more than the others? Uh, I mean, obviously, you want to gravitate towards Bison because he's like the the boss, and he has like mm -hmm. that all you know the, all the like electric sort of things. Um, but I remember being really disappointed, and I, it was sort of like the Zangief thing. Like Zangief looks like such a cool guy and like mm -hmm. you know so strong and stuff, but in in actuality, doesn't really. I I didn't know many people who he's were, hard like, to play. Yeah, it's Zangief. Uh, and the same thing was with uh, happened with uh, Balrog. You know, because yeah. I don't think he. He didn't like all his all his buttons, you know, whereas with most characters, you have three punch buttons and three kick buttons. All his buttons, I think, were all punches because, mm -hmm. you know, keeping with the boxer thing. Yep. Um, so that was that was sort of uh, 
uh, kept me away from from really playing him. But the other ones I, I loved. Yeah, I was super drawn to to Balrog. Also, I I wanted to use him. The boxer was cool. Yeah, but he's just so hard to use, and he had a lot of those charge moves where you had to hold yes. down buttons. That right. By the way, the game could unleash those rapid fire, and that's cheating. Right. You ever, right. you ever, no, ever noticed that? He could just do those oh, yeah, over absolutely. and over so fast, and in in reality, for the player, you have to hold those for at least two hold seconds. It. Yeah, it's messed up. So yeah, regular game. Oh, you could do mirror matches in Champion Edition, which is cool. Right. Yeah. So this time around, I also tried out the Genesis Edition along with the Super Nintendo Edition. And I found a great difference between the two. It was a, This is one of those shiny examples of the console wars in full effect and pretty much an objective reality between the two consoles. What do you think I discovered? I am going to guess that you discovered that the Genesis controls are better? No. But that, that actually might be true because Genesis had the six-button controller and right. the six-button controller was actually released for this game. Oh, that's another that. example of the influence that this game had on gaming history. So the Genesis version was actually the Champion Edition. So maybe it was a little bit improved over the SNES World Warrior Edition, just with the basic inclusions of things. But the Super Nintendo also had Street Fighter II Turbo, and those are the two that I kind of compared directly. And I found that the graphics and the audio were both superior in the Super Nintendo. And I think this was part of the reason back in the day that I felt so strongly about this console war because this was such a big game and it was so in the limelight that it was obviously going to be compared. And it really shows off how the Super Nintendo has more colors, it had smoother gradients, and the better sound chip. As a matter of fact, the Genesis versions of all the, the ensuing games, just the sound was just a little grating. It was like kind of hard hmm. to listen to. Crunchy, noisy, very... Yeah. So Super Nintendo versions were superior to the Genesis versions for me on this replay. But they were still both kind of less than the arcade. Sure. Yeah. Did you play Turbo? I did play Turbo. Um yeah, and uh which is basically I think more or less the the same as the original game but just sped up, you know, as the name would imply. And I think some of the characters had uh an extra special move. Mm -hmm. uh, if, if memory serves. Yeah. Yeah. So they added extra moves and the obvious speed increase you could do, yeah. you could do faster speeds or all the way down to the regular speed. How'd you feel about going up levels in the turbo area of the game? I preferred the original speed, but it, it was, it, it sort of like was sort of akin to me as, as listening to a podcast that like one and a half times where you, you know, you sort of feel like you have the experience, but just sped up. So I, I liked, I liked uh, a lot about it, but it just ended up in me being beaten even quicker. So, uh, so I, I, I generally <laughs> prefer the original speed, but, uh, but I, I definitely saw the, the allure or the, the reason why people would like the turbo edition. Gotcha. Yeah. I, 
I kind of feel similarly. Like I would like to do maybe one star of Turbo, but after that, it was like kind of a bit much. Yeah, agreed. And and this Genesis version, it was the Champion Edition, but had since it came out later, it had another mode. I think it was called Hyper Mode that let you get some of those Turbo updates. And the Super Nintendo Street Fighter 2 Turbo was was the Turbo game, but it also had the option to play sort of the Champion Edition speed. And right, it had, gotcha. they both had all the changes in the uh, in the moves and stuff, which I think we're just all balancing. Like Chun-Li got a, a projectile and Ken was like kind of differentiated from Ryu by having a, a different dragon punch that moved him a little bit forward you know things like that to just kind of balance and change and differentiate but my favorite part of replaying came with the street fighter collection one and two on the the playstation and the saturn so these two I, i mentioned it earlier these ports were pretty much arcade perfect and i i ran a comparison between these and the super nintendo version and when i went back and forth i was just shocked at the differences and i just got all of those memories of the visuals this is where i got that visual memory right when i was looking at the the playstation and saturn versions and seeing the graphics it just really triggered something i was like oh wow this is exactly what i was looking at when i was a kid they're bigger they do more stuff (laughs) the hair moves they lean back when they're going backwards you know like kind of like backing off from their opponent the moves are crisper and cleaner the animations look good it was just so cool. They had CD quality audio. The music is amazing. The music changes as you're going through the fights. It's like really crisp. That's really cool. Oh man. So, so good. So let's talk about that, that rainbow edition a little bit. Tell me about that. Cause I, I really don't know anything about it. What are some of like the real nitty gritty details you noticed? The, again, the the big thing is that uh, you know, in the, during the course of the game, as you're actually fighting, you could just switch your character just like immediately. You can you can swap them out, and I think there were that? probably a number. What's, what's like that? the command to do that? I, uh, I I think in the arcade you could just hit like the start button and it would switch your character. And here I just had it mapped to 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 a a button as well. But I think in I think you could just hit like player one or player two and it would swap out. Um, and you know, you, again, you could just cycle like mid jump. You could cycle your character if you wanted to, um, and I think there were like again from from machine to machine, depending on which hacked version. I think there were were some differences, but like for example, I remember one where you could, uh, and this completely just broke the game. Um, you could just like launch if you were Guile. You could launch. Um, what was I forget the name of his his Sonic range boom. attack. The Sonic Boom, of course, yeah. I can't believe I forgot that. Uh, you could like just like line up Sonic Boom, so you could just um, attack with a like one of the uh, the light Sonic Booms, the ones that move slower across the screen, and mm-hmm. you could just have them like lined up. You could have a chain of them all sitting there on the screen, and you know it'd be it'd be impossible for a uh, your opponent to to do anything because you just have a line of Sonic Booms just waiting for oh. them. Um, and, there and you was, could do that vertically too, right? Because you could do yeah. the projectiles in midair in that. Yeah, you could have. Yeah, you could have like two levels of uh, of range so attacks. And, uh, yeah, it was it was completely broken, uh, but just really 
crazy in terms of like all the the ways that you could sort of manipulate the game and, and break the game that uh there was some i remember it not having a lot of staying power but it, the novelty of it was was really cool at the time yeah man that would be fun to get like my old friends together and just play that version and just yeah go crazy did you get to play with anyone no not this time not yeah, this time either. i was i was trying to get my my brother uh to, to connect uh, with me to to bring up the old days but i couldn't get it done darn what i did do though is i recently bought an arcade stick mostly for this podcast because i thought it might be interesting to play some of the older games using an arcade stick and right. for a fighting game it's perfect so playing specifically those arcade perfect ports on the arcade stick was a sublime experience sure (laughs) it was just so good and that's that's really what made me want to jump into a lot of the ensuing capcom titles and see how i like those you know all the marvel versus capcoms and the this versus capcom and the dark stalkers and and everything etc etc i'm really excited this got me super excited for for fighting games in general very cool how was the music as like we we touched on it but it's a big part of the game oh yeah for sure i mean the the guile theme song is is iconic uh yeah all that stuff the the music the like the um different locations the graphics and the music of the different locations is just such an integral part of the street fighter 2 experience um yeah Mm. i love them i love them yeah that guile theme is is among my favorite tracks in all of video gaming and also yeah, like Ken sure. and Ryu, really good, really good music. Yeah. Well, the majority of them, really. The Chun-Li music in that, in her level, which is like a, uh, a crowded marketplace, a street yeah. in China. Yeah, and all, all the, all so, the background so graphics are, are just so cool. Like there's all these these things going on. Uh, none of the backgrounds sort of like interact with the game as long mm-hmm. as far as I recall, but uh, but they were they were always moving and vibrant, and if, if yeah. it sort of immersed you into the world. Yeah, and speaking of backgrounds, in the original there were breakable components on I think every level, like boxes on Guile stage or the sign on Ryu stage or some barrels or whatever on different different stages. And those were there in the original, and then they got taken out in some of the later games. But then it was nice to see them again in some of those uh, better ports. That was just a, another fun, nostalgic trip, was sending people through those things. I don't know <laughs> if it increases damage for that first time. It might. I, I'm yeah, not I sure. I, I, I wish I were more of an expert. Actually, as someone who is not an aficionado and not... Uh, super well-versed and doesn't have all the knowledge. I really found it super interesting to look at some of the characters and see how their moves changed and how things varied over time. You said you played Super Street Fighter yes. to the new challengers as kind of the majority this time? So this was one that I didn't really play too much back in the day. And and now I I, I played it basically just to, to try out the, the characters that I wasn't uh, super familiar with so T Hawk mm-hmm. and um, DJ and, and them so characters Cami that were added later mainly played it to 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 play those characters because I I hadn't played them very much when they when it first came out so it was uh, fun trying those guys out 
Yeah, what you what'd you think of them? Did you have a particular favorite? Did they stand up to the old characters? I mean, so not not especially. I mean, I, I liked I liked the look of of the characters, DJ and T Hawk being the, the you know really big characters and uh, sort of blending well with the with the the, the backgrounds. They're just just evocative and, and Cammy feeling like a like a a Street Fighter. The most I think to me like a like an original Street Fighter two character. But you know, these were characters I was playing for the first time in, in a long time. And even back then, like I said, I hadn't, I hadn't played them very much. So didn't really have the, the bond that I did with the, uh, the original character. So, um, mm. um, yeah, was it really as, as plugged in, uh, with them just because I, you know, the, the original Street Fighter characters, like, even though I haven't played, I hadn't played the game in over a decade at that point, maybe a decade and a half or two decades. Um, I, I had, I, I knew the moves like, muscle memory you know i had mm-hmm. all those moves um even when i didn't know i had the moves like i would start playing with somebody and then just realize like oh i know exactly how to do all these you know special special moves um with with t-hawk and fei long and dj and cami like i i uh, i had to look them up and and you know once you right once you just look like up, the first time when you played the other exactly, characters yeah. back in the day exactly yeah yeah i remember having that experience because like i said that was the one that i bought for myself but I also remember getting that game feeling like it just felt a little different. And I wasn't as into some of the way that it felt at first compared to what I was used to. And yeah. the new characters to me when I first saw them seemed like they didn't match perfectly. Like the scale yeah. of them was a little off or something. Right. And I was noticing that again this time, but it wasn't as it wasn't as bad as what I remembered in the Super Nintendo versions and comparing to one another. I think maybe maybe there was a greater change between the arcade and Super Nintendo version of Super Street Fighter, you know, more so than there was with the other one. Right. But the biggest change that I noticed was playing Super Street Fighter Two Turbo which I didn't realize was a thing until recently. Right. I didn't know that they went beyond Super Street Fighter 2 and turbofied it. I remember this one mainly for uh, for Akuma. I remember Akuma being a big thing, like mm. hearing about this this like M. Bison-esque character who was like this shadowy... Uh, like it, I remember people talking about Akuma being a character even before this game came out, and it was like, no, you can't play as Akuma. And then, and then finding out that in Super Street Fighter Two Turbo they made Akuma a playable character, and thinking that was really cool. I I, I remember some talk about like if you look at the background of the M Bison stage, like the mm-hmm. final stage, there's like a, a shadowy character. And I remember friends of mine would say like, oh, I was at an arcade and I saw this this guy, and he like beat and bison perfectly and then like a character came out of the audience and it was this akuma thing and i, I don't remember i think yeah. maybe this game had been announced and then this akuma character popped up everywhere but i just remember there being like a mythology to the character and then all of a sudden being able to play him yeah as far as i understand he was incredibly difficult to access in the early games like now he's just a character in the modern right. street fighters but I think it was if you beat the game in a certain amount of time without losing or using continues and you got to M. Bison, he would come out and kind of dispose of M. Bison 
and then you'd have to fight him. Right. But um, I, I didn't get a chance to do that because that's hard. So you played, yeah. this time around, you played both Super Street Fighter 2 and Super Street Fighter 2 Turbo or just one or the other? Yeah, both of them, yeah. So do you notice the like the differences? I felt like there were more differences between Super Turbo and Super than any of the others before that like in the different animations and the way they did moves and stuff did you find that oh yeah 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 it seems like it was very very intentionally reworked for balance and competition yeah because like they took away some moves that i recall using a lot like like blanca used to have this punch where if he was crouching and did a strong punch he would do this sort of uppercut that went halfway across the screen and that's gone in that one. A lot of Guile's moves have changed all throughout, and he's super different in Super Turbo. Right. Ken's animations are are very different and like updated. Really interesting. Did you like that one as much, better, less than the others? Uh st- I mean, uh, you know, my heart is still with the like the original ones, but I I did I think this was among my my favorites of the of the offshoots. Um, yeah. It just, it just, like you said, it sort of did feel reworked from the ground up, and and you could sort of, you could sort of sense the 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 care that had gone into balancing and sort of getting everything just right. Mm. Yeah, definitely. That's ex- exactly how I felt. Really good too. Like I was, I felt yeah, really yeah. happy playing it. Like like it was a brand new experience, and it felt very well tuned. And I, yeah, I just felt agreed. good. You know, I I felt successful. I think because of the ways that it was updated. Although that one adds that super meter and I don't know oh, how you right. ever use that. Yeah, I I I I think I was able to to get it going, but yeah, I do remember that um being a big difference obviously from the other ones. This is the first game that of the from the series, right, that that includes that super yeah. combo meter. Yeah. Yeah, definitely the only Street Fighter 2 version and Capcom added that in many yeah. of their future games, and other companies added that in many of their future games. But I know that the super moves are oftentimes like a double joystick move that is similar to one of that character's regular moves. But right. my issue was that every time my super meter was filled, I had already defeated my opponent. It oh, feels so right. slowly. Yeah. I never had the chance. Yeah, I remember not being able to do it that often, but it was it was really cool when you could. That's uh, really get it weird. Just right. But interestingly, I also felt like, at the same time, like despite that, the energy bars of the characters depleted a little bit more slowly than in older games, according to just my gut feeling. Yeah, I think so. That 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 felt that feels right. Mm. So like longer matches, I guess. Yeah. Probably they realize people are really good at this game, so we don't want the fights to be over in one second. Yeah. Of course, I was never on that level. (laughs) Right, right. But yeah, no, it definitely seemed like the the power, the energy was going down. I I remember in some of the older games, like you really could chunk people's uh, energies in in big, big pieces. uh, Whereas with the uh, this this last one, it definitely felt like it's more incremental. So. To wrap it up, I guess I'm just going to see if you have any other specific elements or, or favorite parts or parts that you didn't like maybe is more interesting or any notable moments in this replay 
that you definitely want people to hear about? There, there wasn't much that I, I didn't like. This was, this was really, really fun. Um, again, I was never like a really quick twitch player like fighting games in general weren't weren't my thing because i just didn't excel at them um but but going back and, and trying these were was was really really fun i mean again it, it just the games seem to sort of satisfy uh a lot of different things you want in a fighting game like again if you want to fight like with a brawler you could go with a blanca or a honda and then you know you dolls them who stretches across the screen and chun li and the more agile character so it feels like whatever style you want to fight in you can do it so i had i just had a blast playing this um again for sure Mm. yeah yeah i tried out a lot of characters that i otherwise wouldn't have played as in the past like i used to when i had super street fighter 2 i would always be sagat because i felt like he was overpowered and uh this time I didn't really use him. I tried out some others. I also dabbled yeah. in some Chun Li for this play. That was fun because she's an interesting character. I thought to myself, like, okay, Chun Li is one of the longest running characters. She's sort of at the forefront of the lore. She got her own cartoon show at some point. Let me try out Chun Li. She's probably good. And yeah. I found out, oh yeah, she's legit, especially <laughs> in Super Turbo. Well, Super Turbo being the one that I think everyone's pretty legit in, it really makes it fun to play every character. Yeah. Which anybody, is my favorite right. thing about that. Cool. Definitely. Okay. So uh, I think this is obvious at this point, but with every game, or in this case, set of games, this is the Street Fighter 2 suite we're kind of reviewing here. We like to give final thoughts. Is the game worth replaying? Is it worth spending time going back? Uh, would you recommend it to people? And ultimately, would you call it more of a smash or more of a brick? So, Mark Posada, Street Fighter Two. What do you say? Yeah, I don't think I'm breaking any new ground here, but uh, <laughs> it is it is a huge smash. I, uh, I you know I was really excited for the episode. I was a little wary because again I was never a great player myself, and so I was worried that actually playing them. Um, you know, would sort of take the the shine off of these like memories I had, but it was like quite the contrary. I just I loved them. Um, makes me want to play them more. Makes me want to dive into like this crazy lore that I've been reading about. So yeah, big time smash in my opinion. Yeah, same, same big smash. And yeah, and even though I knew that I loved the game in the past, over time that affinity has sort of faded as I've grown further and further apart from that experience so this was another instance kind of like with the golden eye episode where i got into it and as i kept playing it just kept coming back to me and the feelings kept coming back the nostalgia grew and grew and just the sheer joy of playing kept rising in me and It was a fantastic experience, especially when I learned about all the different collections and and the new versions, like the one that I spent the most time with was uh, the Saturn version of the Street Fighter collection and Super Turbo. And especially now that I have this arcade stick, just that whole combination is a way bigger smash than I would have even expected. So yeah, 100% hmm. smash for me. Awesome. I'll have, to, I'll have to seek out that version specifically and try it out. 
Yeah, I did a, a little Twitch stream that was interesting to me where I just switched back and forth between the different versions like Super Nintendo to Saturn. Oh, cool. And I also did a little bit of a comparison between the load times of the PS1 and the Saturn. And it, it kind of shows the differences in how it looks and how it plays. And it just helped me land on that Saturn version. Really cool. That's and awesome. I, I'm not a Saturn fan. Like I just talked all the trash about the Genesis, but then came right back. And, uh, and now I say that the Saturn was the best way to play, even though I had a huh. PS one and never had a Saturn. So right. that was really cool to discover for me. I like that. And of course, some of the newer versions are probably better. I just didn't have access to those for this. Right. Anyway, that's Street Fighter 2, almost all versions. Thanks for playing and coming on and talking about it. There was so much information there. I felt like we were cruising through everything. And right. Nuts. No, it was fun. It was a blast. I, I absolutely loved it. Thanks for, uh, thanks for having me uh, on this episode. I don't feel worthy of it, but uh, it was great. Yeah, I don't I don't feel worthy of this episode either, <laughs> to be honest. Like, there's always this feeling about fighting games or other competitive genres where you sure. almost feel like you have to be of a certain skill level to be worthy of speaking about it. Discussing it, yeah, it makes sense. But, you know, we're casuals, filthy casuals, sure. and we can be. Right. They're retro games. I'm not trying to go to Evo or, you know, right. any of the big... Uh, fighting game competition so it's yeah. fine and i think most of the listeners probably aren't either i'm sure many of them could beat me though <laughs> all right so you already mentioned where to find you you said boardgamebarrage.com right and anywhere right. fine fine podcasts are sold absolutely exactly. cool and now for one of the most exciting moments of the episode i can reveal our next game and my next guest, that's going to be returning guest Kyle Stalick, and we will be playing the classic 1993 point-and-click adventure game, Myst. Awesome. So get your hands on that game and play along and be ready for next episode. I can give you a hot tip that it's $5.99 on Steam for the Myst Masterpiece Edition. Now, links to everything I'm about to mention can easily be found at linktr.ee slash smashing bricks. That's linktree smashing bricks, linktr.ee slash smashing bricks. But speaking of upcoming games, we have the Smashing Bricks retro games list that you can go and take a look at. And you can always make suggestions for games that you'd like to see played, whether they are on or not on that list. And you can do that by emailing into smashingbrickspodcast at gmail.com. I've also set up a Discord server for all of you retro gamers to come and join us in chatting about the upcoming games, the games that have passed, your dinner, your lunch, <laughs> uh, random video games, board games, news, politics, whatever. That is on the Discord server. You can find an invitation link in the show notes and also at the link tree. And that is totally free and easy to set up on your phone or computer with a small app. So feel free to join us there. That's a lot of fun. We're pretty small now, but we will continue to grow. And speaking of growing, I do have a number of social media platforms you can follow on, like Instagram, at Smashing Bricks, 
youtube.com slash smashing bricks twitter.com at smashing underscore bricks and now i do have a twitch channel at twitch.tv slash smashing bricks podcast and i've already gone ahead and recorded a few things there with vods that will be uploaded both on twitch and youtube and some will even be available as exclusives for certain tiers on the patreon page Again, I have a Patreon where you can go and support the show at $1, $5, $20 or more for various different perks. One really cool one being that $5 Fireflower tier where you get to make submissions for the upcoming Patreon Picks episodes where instead of choosing games myself with my guest, I will choose a game from the Patreon submitted games so you will have a very high chance of having your game played and if you are among the first to get in and do that it's almost a guarantee that your game is going to get played so please do go check out patreon.com slash smashing bricks i really appreciate any and all support that you can give there and even if you can't donate monetarily right now, that's no big deal. I still love you. I still love doing the show. And there is a very free and very easy way you can help a lot. And that is by going to your podcasting platform of choice or multiple ones. Apple Podcasts is very helpful. Spotify is great, but I'm on numerous others which you can check out. Just take a few minutes to go and leave a five-star rating and review on any of those, and that would be amazing and would be super helpful for the show. Thank you. Anyway, thanks again, Mark. It was a joy having you on. I really appreciate your time and your history. It was fun to listen to. My pleasure. Thank you. Awesome. And for everyone else, I will see you next time. And until then... May the nostalgia be with you.